0: The Bringing Humanities to Life Project at Bismarck State College presents Humanities in Person, Conversations About Humanities at Bismarck State College. This is Jane Schreck, um, Professor Emeritus of English at BSC, very recent with that. Um, I'm here today with Rachel Southam, Assistant Professor of English here at BSC. Hello, Rachel. Hello, Jane. So, like the rest of us, we're just going to jump right into it, like the rest of us on the English faculty at BSC, your main job is teaching students how to write. Yes. Um, You've taught that at many levels, so you have lots of experience teaching, writing, um, especially teaching writing to... Um, students who maybe need some refresher in yes. it or, or maybe have some gaps in their mm-hmm. understanding, um, and teaching at many different skill levels. Yes. But recently you also finished um, a master's degree in English with a focus on American literature. Yes. Tell me about the, the focus of your of your research for your, your master's, your thesis.
1: Well, um, I... I've always been really fascinated by that which um, really focuses our attention and that that was in part because as a young student myself, um, I was very fascinated with anything that was really scary um, i I had a lot of... Anxiety. I just was one of those very anxious children. And I found respite, um, strangely enough, in scary stories. One of the first classic books that I read while I was in elementary school, um, believe it or not, was Frankenstein, which I know it makes no sense. And in many ways, I didn't fully understand it. But My dad was an English teacher um, until I was about two years old, so he had a lot of literature laying around the house. Um, I did not have a lot of books, and I just, at a very young age, started reading some of these literature books and came upon Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. And so w-
0: you didn't have a lot of like little kid books. No, I didn't. You, but the you had lot lots of access. I, I had to...
1: access to higher literature. Ad- yes. adult, adult adult literature. Books. Uh-huh. Yes, um, we lived in a pretty isolated place, so we didn't go to the library or anything. And I did have a few children's books, but I would just read them over and over and over and over again. Anyway, so I digress. That brings me back to why I found scary stories so engaging. It's because it was almost like um, a rehearsal. What would I do in this if this happened to me? Mm. It was almost like, okay, so if this happened, this could happen, you know, this other person could do that. And it was almost like a, a rehearsal. And it it would get me desensitized to what was scary in the world. Um, And strangely enough, I ran into these same reactions in students um, at all levels. I taught seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th at varying stages of ability. For both reading and writing. Um, And there was a real gravitation toward scary stories, whether they were fiction or nonfiction.
0: In your students.
1: In my students. Uh And so when I decided to go back to school, I really wanted to explore and research why is why is that? why do we find that so fascinating? So what I did was, that that was basically my thesis, um, to explore, I, I chose Edgar Allan Poe's The Black Cat, which is the dark romantic literary period, and Stephen Crane's Maggie, A Girl of the Streets, which is from the naturalist period, very different literary movements, very, very different. However, and they weren't peers. Um, Crane was born after Poe's death, so it's not like they knew each other. The, the movements are quite different. Um, but I find, I found and I find even today them to be absolutely terrifying. <laughs> They're terrifying to me. Um, They both deal with the disintegration of humanity due to addiction.
0: Mm.
1: And the victims within both of these stories um, have absolutely no control over the unbelievable injustice that is um, heaped upon them the the persons the characters in the story that fall into addiction become monstrous. Um, we have the narrator, we don't know his name, in the Black Cat, um, who who becomes more and more addicted, becomes more and more alcoholic, and uh, begins. Becoming what I considered to be the other or an, a, um, an example of the uncanny um, becomes another person due to his addiction and begins torturing and killing the things, the people, the objects in his life that he says he loves, okay, but he loves his addiction more. Um, he spirals. He ends up killing his favorite cat. Then he tries to replace that cat with one that looks like his previous cat but is slightly different. He ends up attempting to kill that cat because it has cursed him, and he ends up killing his wife, his wife, who he claims he loves so much, who we never know her name, and he has no remorse whatsoever after she becomes the abject, which um, I, I I brought a lot of literary theory into my theory in my thesis, because one of the things that I really gained from my from my experience going back to school was a knowledge of literary theory that I completely lacked before it changed my life completely. I, I see the world in a much different way, gained a lot from it. Um, so, I did a comparison of that story and Poe and that movement with Stephen Crane, who is I consider the father of naturalism. Um, Stephen Crane,, uh, if you haven't read Maggie, A Girl of the streets, i I can't recommend it enough. He's very famous. um I can't even remember the first. His first book he became so famous for, but I consider that oh, I can't
0: remember what it's called. Red Badge of Courage. Yes. I mean, it's what everyone likes, right? Well, um what everyone is asked to read in high school.
1: <laughs> yes. I consider I mean it's it's it doesn't touch me. It doesn't move me like Maggie or even the Blue Hotel does. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe that's just my Preclivity. but um, it is about a young girl who who grows up in the slums with a mother who is an alcoholic okay who um, who is completely unaware of the dangers that lie outside their apartment because her whole life is danger. She is a very good example, in my opinion, of a child who who has grown up and suffers from post-traumatic disorder. Um, She escapes into the arms of someone who doesn't really have any care about her well-being because anything is better than home. And I saw that in some of my students as I was working. And so, these two stories really spoke to me about the horror of addiction, especially when it comes to someone you love, who you should be able to trust, Um who should care more about your well-being than anyone else in the world and how addiction can turn that around completely and and bring out the monstrous, okay? Um, I'm just trying to think. I, I basically focused a lot on that during my entire master's degree Um there were many other stories that I could have looked at for my thesis, but I felt like those were the more unique um, connection that I didn't find a lot of literature um, connecting those two things because they the literary movements are so different. The mm-hmm. authors are so different from each other, but I was looking for what is the connection? What is the horror here? And I... Th- I felt like addiction was the connection, and the, so it's almost
0: more of a thematic yes, connection. Yes,
1: yes, and the trauma that that um, the characters and the reader goes through. Well, they don't really go through it, but it's it's catharsis for any reader who has been through anything like that. Uh-huh. And I had quite a few students who had been. Th- th- suffered with loved ones who who had addictions to whatever. Okay.
0: So do you think that's what drew you to these stories or to this theme that you had uh, witnessed this maybe in some of your, your students or when you were tutoring or?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I didn't, my dad did not drink. So I did not ever as a person on a personal basis suffer um as the characters in these stories suffer but um i worked with many 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 students who live with addiction in some way Mm -hmm. absolutely
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and um or abuse or abuse in some
0: way, often connected to addiction. Very much. Yeah.
1: I mean, yes, you can have; they can be on their own, but they're very much connected. Very often. Um, what I wanted to do was analyze what were these students getting out of reading these these disturbing stories. What did I get out of reading these disturbing stories? I was only the launching pad. My students really solidified my interest. Um why is a sto- uh, a child called it? Um, I, I worked in I worked in uh, the Manda Middle School Library for a couple of years, and every year the librarian would have to order new copies of a child called it, which personally, I didn't attempt to read it until I was already a mother, and I cannot get through it. I cannot get through it, it's so, so terrible. And it's based on a a real person who wrote the book about his years and years of abuse under his mother. And it's just so devastating. But that is the book that is literally checked out so often at a middle school library that the books fall apart or they never are returned, they're just kept. Hmm. And you have to say, why? Why? Um, And I'm very interested in that. Um, So that leads me, you know, um, teaching English and writing and reading to students who, have gaps in their learning for uh, multiple reasons. It is my job to, to explore that which interests them. Because you cannot force any child to read something that is not interesting to them. That's just ridiculous. You have to find things that interest them. And so <laughs> we, we did explore a lot of scary stories. Um I one of the the most fun I have is is bringing literary canon to students who hate to read. Um I used to teach A Christmas Carol, which I know people are like, "Oh, that's a Christmas story." It's a ghost story. <laughs> <laughs> it's a ghost story. And I would teach it to both my 7th and 8th grade classes simultaneously. We we often we we did some interesting things when I was at that school. We 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 tried everything that we could to help the students gain academically as much as possible so you know not everything worked but um, I would do a lot of co-teaching and 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 bringing history into the literature and writing about the literature and I was teaching them MLA citation and it, it was a wonderful time but my students were amazed at how scary that story is) <laughs> But they were reading it in—they weren't reading a—they um, weren't reading a simplified version. They were reading Dickens' words.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, the, the—
0: So this is not the Mr. Magoo cartoon no. that we're familiar oh, with. No, no, yeah. no.
1: And I've, you know, as a treat—and I would always do this, like, before Christmas— Um, the last day before we went on Christmas vacation, we would watch the movie and I would always find the scariest version we possibly (laughs) could. And it was just a great time. Um, you know, if you can find a way for any student to identify with great writing, they're going to read it. And the more they read great writing, the better writing they will produce. It's You can't do one without the other. You just can't. You can't. Um, and the more confident they become in their ability to read, the more confident they become in their writing.
0: Um, and often the more interested they become as well. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And if— one of the things that I really came up against at that school, and I continue to come up against in my my ASC classes here at BSC, is this preconceived notion that I am not a good reader and I'm not a good writer. I don't like reading. I don't like writing. And to that I say, I disagree because they they haven't found the thing that they can't that they're reading and they can't put down. They haven't found it. Mm -hmm. It's there. They we just haven't found it. They haven't come upon the tools to feel comfortable writing about anything. And one of the things that I try to make sure I do is to teach them the tools, the structure that they can follow and they, in my ASC classes, they can write about, their topic is up to them within the parameters of the assignment. They have to follow a certain structure and the structure is what matters because that will let them evolve into the next classes and feel confident.
0: so, when you say structure, you mean like, okay, the assignment is a comparison and contrast essay, but yes. you can compare and contrast anything. You
1: can compare and contrast anything. Yeah. you you have to have you know the five paragraph essay structure. Mm-hmm. You need a complete um, introduction. You need topic sentences. You need transitional statements. You need you need to look at the rubric of the assignment and fulfill the assignments requirements, but you can compare and contrast whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You have to, for instance, um, show me the order. Let's say um, th- there's a lot of requirements that I make them do, but then they're able to really come through and they've got that, then they can have their creativity. You have to have structure. Yep. But there's also that room for creativity.
0: I have to tell you, when I first started teaching here in 2000, mm-hmm. five-paragraph essay was not at all established. Oh, and heavens, so yes. <laughs> but now it feels like I spend a good part of my time saying, you know, there can be more than three main oh, points. Yes, there can. You can have more than five paragraphs. Yes. So it's a wonderful uh, first step, but... but we have to also tell students to go beyond that. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. That for, for ASC, we focus on the five paragraph.
0: But they must be doing that in high schools now as well.
1: Um, in some I high schools? I would imagine that they should be. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of them do. Yeah. But just like my previous teaching experience, many of my students either did not were not exposed to this number 1 or they were not receptive to it and you can physically be in a class and not be learning and that's if they were in physically in the class <laughs> i also have students who dropped out
0: mm-hmm. who
1: got their GED who came from another country and we don't know what you know we don't yeah. know what they learned we have no idea um, and those are the students that I tend to gravitate to, <laughs> although um, sometimes, you know, um, I think, well, maybe someday I'll teach something other than ASC, but I do love my ASC classes. Those are my people. <laughs> those are the people that I, I'm, I, I understand if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, well that's uh, a lot of your experience mm-hmm. is is with that and a lot of your consciousness has been about how how do we reach students? Yeah. I love to read. I love to write, but how how do we share that with exactly, students? Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, and and as a young person, I wasn't always the best student. I I I honestly until I found scary stories, I didn't like to read. It was boring. Um, I think it came fairly easily for – that's not – I can't take credit for that. I think I just got lucky. Um, But I was not one to sit still either. So I remember very distinctly my mom making me sit at the kitchen table and do my reading. So I do identify with those students that it's like, oh, it's not what I want to do. It, I was lucky. I was lucky. But one of the things that I like to do is meet the students where they are and try to understand why they feel the way they feel. And um, that way I can better help them.
0: Sure. Yeah. 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 So outside of your job as a teacher, how do you think uh, having a background in um, English affects just your everyday life?
1: Oh, it was the greatest thing I ever did. It helps me understand not only my own thoughts and anxieties, but understand why people think and react that the way they do um, it helps me analyze um, it my my education opened a world of theory that I had not been exposed to in any way okay um, and I <laughs> I know my husband's like, are you writing another Marxist feminist? <laughs> you know, and it's like, hey, you know, this these are theories that I was aware of, but didn't know anything about. Mm-hmm. And they make certain stories that maybe even stories I didn't even really like. They open them up and I understand them so much more than I did before. I think... Understanding literary theory and the process of getting my master's in English helped me understand the role, the role of humanities in my life.
0: <laughs> um, it, now you're mocking me.
1: No, I'm not <laughs> mocking you. Not at all. Humanities are so important. Um, it helped me understand other points of view. Very much so. Um, Looking at Heart of Darkness through a Marxist lens took it from a story that I read in high school but found really boring and really dark. And I didn't have the intellect or the knowledge to really understand why I didn't like it. And now... After applying that lens to that story, I understand why I didn't like it. Mm. It's 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 heart of darkness. It's um, you know, we see people as things if they're anything but white in that story. Mhm um the racism is just so thick so thick so thick um and i it, it just it it illuminated it it you know they use the word lens and i always think okay so you see through this lens you see certain things that you did not see before and that could mm-hmm. not be more true um Maggie can be looked at through so many different lenses. Um, I, I analyzed it through a psychoanalytic lens, um, but it can also be examined through, you know, historical feminism. Um, it's it's just so clear. It's so much more clear.
0: Well, and you can't you can't overlook the um, economic yes. uh, pressures. Oh, yes, on the mother and the oh, daughter. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's so many there's so many different ways that you can examine it, and and those stories, even though we might initially recoil, those are the stories that we need to read as a society, so that we can experience how life is in such a position. And I think I think we need to do more of that because so many people Oh, I'm just going to worry about myself. I can't worry about other people. I don't want to pay more taxes. If people don't want to take care of their children, that's not my problem. And it, and I in my mind, I'm like, it's all of our problem. <laughs> it's everyone's problem. Um, we're I feel like our selfishness is causing us to lose our humanity. I agree. Um, I don't know when and where it started but I really think literature is the way that we regain some of that and that's why I wanted to go back and study literature and study writing because I want to understand why I want to experience what it's like for someone who is not as privileged as I am Uh, I want to be able to help in what a way whatever way I can. Oh.
0: Okay, that's actually a, a wonderful segue to my next okay, question. Good. <laughs> Because, you know, when I first approached you about doing this podcast, we wanted to, you know, showcase the humanities and so on. Yes. And your response was that um, uh, your pursuit has been less as a scholar than as someone called to service. And first of all, that's beautiful. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Second. I have to imagine there is some sort of connection between the study of the humanities or the study of literature and a call to service. So Absolutely. talk to me about that relationship you've you've sort of hinted at it, yes. but let's go deep.
1: Well, um, i I have a compulsion to serve. <laughs> um, and that's and i say a compulsion because it's almost i almost focus on others more than myself too much um i've been told but i'm trying to i'm trying to be better take care of myself a little bit um and i know this is this is so cliche but i feel empathetic like very empathetic for other people, not sympathetic. I mean, sure, you can have that, but I've always felt like that, even as a little girl. Um, and I've always felt this need to help people. And I don't have... I don't have the the sort of intellect that is required to be like a nurse or and I don't have the um the personality to be a police officer or that sort of public service um so I did go into teaching and that has been extremely fulfilling. It has not always been easy <laughs> it has not always been easy. Mm-hmm. To be, to be very empathetic with students and parents who are going through very difficult things in their life,
0: and um, now what you're saying is it's that it's not hard to be empathetic; it's hard on you to be that empathetic. empathetic. I got you. Yes,
1: that's what I mean. Um, But I. That empathy can be relieved if I'm doing something to help people in a way that can be helpful to them. And I'm not trying to be, this sounds so terrible, and you can tell I've, I've worked years on the reservation. I'm trying very hard to not be that white savior, <laughs> you know. Let me tell you how to be better. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to listen and hear what What can I do to make your academic experience beneficial for your life? Okay? Um, and sometimes, sometimes in my past, that has not always been, okay, you must go to college." that That was not always the case. Sometimes, it's a matter of... I think you should read these books because it will help you with your day-to-day life. It will help you cope. I think you should write every single day to deal with the things that you've been telling me about, okay? So that a student can cope with very difficult, hard things. And I'm not a counselor, <laughs> I'm not a counselor. but any teacher who cares about students, they automatically will come and tell you amazing things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So.
0: Well, is it too much to say that your study of literature informs your ability? You know, you might encounter a student and you might say, there is hurt here. Yes. Uh, and yeah. And your study of literature helps you and the student uh, identify what that hurt is. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, in my experience, reading and writing is the medication that I could apply to that student's wounds um, I, and
0: it's often what they need. It's what they, they need and what they want. They maybe need more than that, mm-hmm. but it's a good start. It's
1: a good start. Yeah. Um, I, I ended up... There's so many different little anecdotes I could tell you. Um, but for the purpose of this podcast, I will just narrow it down to a single one. Um, one of the years that I was teaching... Um, one of my young students, she was an eighth grader and I'm not going to go into a lot of details, but she was just the most wonderful young lady. Constantly reading. She was one of those people who you literally had to take the book away (laughs) so that she would pay attention in class. Lovely person. Um, she died. Um, she was... They were walking home from a church group and she, the kids were too far on the road and there are no sidewalks. Um, and she was hit by a car oh. in front of her friends. And I had all those students. Um, so there was a lot of mourning and um, she was an eighth grader. And one of the things that I did my best to do was to help those students cope with what they saw and how they felt through writing. And it was difficult because a lot of my students shut down because if you experience trauma or negative experiences fairly regularly and that's what I liked again back to Maggie you become numb you don't one of the reactions of my students was well that's what happens (laughs) which is amazing and terrifying yeah but um I needed to understand how to reach those students. The humanities, the study of literature, the study of writing, how can I get somebody who is very uncomfortable about writing just to start communicating in a way that is not so frustrating that they give up, okay? So that they can deal with their own trauma. so that they can live their life in a positive way without turning to drugs, without turning to alcohol, without completely becoming unraveled. That's what I mean by service. I'm so, so grateful to BSC because I've been able to move forward in my intellectual pursuits while still working with students who often have those same experiences. And I'm not seeking that. It just happens. Um, And I think it's because learning is so disrupted by that kind of personal stress. So I'm I'm just, I'm the luckiest person in the world. (laughs) I really am. I truly am, yeah.
0: now, I, I think it's fair to clarify that some of your examples have been real extreme, Yes. and that's not the you know that's not the story of every student that oh, you no. deal with by any means. Not at but all. to some extent, we've all had some trauma. Yes. we've all had some unhappiness, yes. whatever. And it's in the extremes mm-hmm. that we kind of um, uh, l- learn what might work. For everyone.
1: Well, and we also learn to stop pitying (laughs) ourselves. I've been through a few fairly significant traumas in my life. Focusing on others has really helped me leave the pity party. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's like, well, you know. If ever somebody's got it worse somewhere. Yeah, and <laughs> if you can use your experiences to be to show others that there's no judgment here. You're okay. I'm okay. We're going to be okay together. You're here to learn. Let's focus on that. Uh huh. Okay. We're going to use those experiences. Look how strong you are. You survived. You can do anything. You can do anything. And I have seen that in my ASC students. I Mm -hmm. had a couple here just this spring that have been through amazing things. And and this is, I think, the second time I had this student in my class because this student gave up the last time. Mm -hmm. It was too much. But through her writing, I have learned, and through meeting with her, I have learned and she has improved immensely. I'm so excited for her to be able to move on to 110. Mm-hmm. She she has the tools she needs. Yeah. I'm so, that's just so exciting for me. Yeah. 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 Good.
0: yeah. Good. Now, listen, one of my signature questions in oh, this yes. series is <laughs> what superpowers do we gain from a major in English or from improving writing skills? Okay. Now, I have a follow-up question for you, but if if you've got an answer to the first one,
1: what super hot power do I have?
0: Or do is it possible to gain from the study of English?
1: Oh, yes. Well, not to be cliché again. <laughs> my superpower is the ability to translate.
0: Tell me more.
1: Okay. So I have really learned through both learning English and teaching English to to be able to translate what the student is trying to say but can't quite get there if that makes sense yes and and I have been able and I'm I'm literally the translator there there is such a disconnect between what they want to say and and their ability to put it into writing in a way that is understandable to the reader, I am that conduit. And it's and so many of our conversations and even feedback on their papers is often, this doesn't make sense. Did you mean this? <laughs> yeah. Did you mean that? And I'm not trying to put words into the, the mouths of my, my students. I'm just... Literally trying to understand what they're trying to say so that I can help them craft their sentences or their paragraphs or even their essays in a way that is understandable to the reader. And that I feel like that has become my superpower because I've gotten quite good at it. (laughs) (laughs) I've <laughs> gotten very good at it,
0: <laughs> and 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 do the students have like a sense of yes, that's a, a yes. triumph in a sense that yes, that is what I was trying to say.
1: Very often, yeah, that's and, great. And I I will do it, and I, I'm sure some people think I'm crazy, but I I do a lot of feedback you know, written feedback directly on their papers, but I also really like to meet with the student Mm -hmm. and I'll have them read their paper out loud to me so that I can hear it in their voice. And then they will very often run into their own mistakes. Okay, well, this, okay, that doesn't sound right. This is what I wanted to say. And it's like, okay,
0: let's say it that way. (laughs) Let's say
1: it that way. It (laughs) doesn't need to be fancy. It just needs to be clear. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Clarity. Wow. Clarity. All right, here's my follow-up question. OK. What superpowers do students gain from studying effective or learning effective writing skills? Oh
1: It's hard to pinpoint. Um, I don't, know if it's, I don't know if I would call it a superpower. They, they regain the power of confidence. They mm. regain the power of communication. They regain a place in the world. If you cannot communicate either verbally or in writing, you feel like an outsider, like the world is carrying on without you.
0: Now, your use of the verb regain suggests you think at some point we all have that? Yeah,
1: well, we should all—I believe it's a human right to communicate. Uh Uh-huh. I think—
0: And to have a place in the world which is connected with that.
1: Yes, and writing is a difficult task.
0: Oh, yeah. it,
1: It is. Communicating verbally comes naturally. We're listening to people in utero. so um, that that is fairly natural. I' have only run into a few students who have difficulty verbalizing, um, and those are pretty extreme cases. but um, being able to communicate your thoughts and feelings in writing is. makes you a part of the world. Mm -hmm. You can communicate with anybody, somebody in China, somebody across the world. It is so important. It's always been important, but even in now in in our communication age where we can communicate with anybody at any time about anything, (laughs) it is incredibly important. Um, And it reduces their sense of isolation and I'm not a part of this society, I'm an outsider.
0: It reduces that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that is a superpower, that that qualifies in my very loose definition of superpowers. (gasps) All right. (laughs) Uh, Anything else you'd like to add to potential students or to the community members about what you do here at BSC?
1: Oh gosh, okay. Well, about what I do, I don't know. I don't know if I want to communicate anything about what I do.
0: What we do then? What we do.
1: Okay, that's better. I I want everybody to consider taking a literature class, whether they need it for their degree or not. Even if you have a degree, it is so exciting to enter the world of literature. It, it's another world. You're learning from the experiences, the mistakes, the successes of other people, whether they're fictional or not. And honestly, I find that more truth is told through fiction than through nonfiction because you don't have to be afraid.
0: And Aristotle <laughs> agrees with you.
1: Absolutely. So y- you don't understand the world until you read. You can't.
0: Uh-huh. We
1: don't have enough time to learn about our world in our single lifetime. And there's a lot of sayings about you live several lifetimes when you read, yes. And I think a lot of people do try to read, but they aren't getting enough out of it. They, they, they don't understand. And if you don't understand what you're reading, it is boring. It's very boring. So the study of literature is integral to understanding human beings. And BSC has some wonderful teachers teaching literature and I just I just wish that we would require it. <laughs> 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 I really do, but I don't think we will, but I I wish everyone would come and take a literature class. Yep. Yeah.
0: This has been Humanities in Person brought to you by the Bringing Humanities to Life project of Bismarck State College. Thank you. Thank you.